Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, February 23rd, 528 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets just a little bit higher this morning. Brian Split is with us this morning. Uh, Mackenzie, let's start off with this uh, corn and soybean market action, which is terrible. Corn and soybean futures fell to fresh lows again on Thursday. The March 24 corn contract posted a low near $4.04 per bushel, the lowest trade for any front month contract since November of 2020. The March 24 soybean contract fell to a low of $11.46 per bushel, just shy of the spike low that was, po- that was posted in May of 2023. The March basis contract situation, as discussed yesterday, may be forcing U.S. farmers, <coughs> US farmers to sell grain at multi-year low price levels. Large money managers, also known as the funds, were estimated to hold a net short of 320,000 contracts in the corn market at yesterday's close. If that number's real, Brian, 320,000, you're within an earshot of a record short. The previous record short, I believe all time, was in April of 2019, and it was 344,000 contracts. Is there any reason to believe that these markets will rally at any point in the foreseeable future? Um, I mean, it's yes a difficult no, question. right. Uh, <laughs> there's really just nothing as far as news on the, um, you know, right in front of us. It says we should go higher. Uh, we look at this, this continuous corn chart and that is a, a level that we've talked about for a really long time was that low that was made in, in early 2014. Uh, that was a 406 and a quarter low. And we made that low before getting a, essentially a, a three, four month rally uh, that took us to 419, or I'm sorry, 519 and 519 and a half. Those were our April, May highs. So that would have been the May contract that did that. Um, and then that was your last gasp before seeing the market absolutely plunge into the low threes. Um, so I, again, I, I would like to think that from a big picture value standpoint, that corn should try to catch around four bucks. Uh, but we thought maybe we would try to catch at those old highs around the 436, 438 area. We didn't do that. Um, hopefully we we don't print a three in front of it. Um, I, I'd like to see this market stay above $4, but we're awfully close to, to testing that level. Um, you know, on the soybean market here, it looks like, uh, to me, worse than the, the corn chart because those lows that we caught in 2014 were around the 1250 area, and here we are about a buck below that. Um, and so, you know, again, when we took those levels out in 2014, that dropped us very quickly to $9. Again, you would like to think that there's a point where we say, okay, enough is enough. Uh, we have to grow the crop that's in front of us. And Every year I've been doing this since 2007, there has been a point in the growing season where they say, what if we don't raise the trend line yield that USDA is suggesting, uh, whether it's on the Outlook Forum or on the May report, uh, and then they price in some kind of a yield loss, uh, but we're just not at that stage right now. I think the basis contract thing is is probably the biggest thing short term. We discussed it in a little bit more detail mm-hmm. yesterday. But until all of these March basis contracts have either been rolled or priced, I think the market's going to have a very difficult time rallying. And hopefully the optimistic view is that uh, once you get to, say, Wednesday, Thursday next week, I think first notice day is Thursday, that maybe some of the selling pressure will um, 
will kind of disappear at, at least momentarily i don't know that would be that's the optimistic view i guess and that's what happened on the december delivery period right yeah. you had the market break going into the the day before first notice day because yeah. that's the day that everything needs to happen and then on first notice day we started to see the market build a low and then yeah. we went up and it was a quick rally and it was maybe what 20 25 cents but nonetheless we did have a good decent hey, bounce. we would love 25 cents right now we would take that U.S. ethanol production increased last week. Weekly output of 1.08 million barrels was up marginally on the week and up 7% versus the same week last year. Ethanol stocks were pegged at 25.5 million barrels. The print was down 1.2% compared to the previous week, but up slightly compared to the same week last year. Implied gasoline demand was up marginally compared to the previous week, but down slightly versus the same week last year. On average, over the last four weeks, implied U.S. gasoline demand is down marginally versus the same period last year. That's some good demand news. That's a uh, record production print seasonally. That's the best ever for this particular week of the year. USDA is projecting that corn demand via ethanol will be up like 3.8% this year. And I think we're running four and a quarter above uh, last year. So you can make an argument that USDA is just slightly uh, too low when it comes to corn demand via ethanol. I mean, it's good news. I don't think it's a needle mover, but this is one demand bright spot, I guess. With the price of corn where it is and the price of natural gas where it is, mm -hmm. um, I, I would expect that this is going to continue to be a very bright spot for the demand side of things. Um, and and so one out of three, uh, it looks like it's going to continue to look pretty good. Uh, we just need to see these week-to-week uh, -week export numbers uh, of a million tons plus continue. And... Um, you know, eventually we're going to have to see some kind of expansion on the um, on the meat side of things to to gobble up that feed demand. Yeah, ethanol's good, but it's it's not a number that's going to move the needle a ton moving forward. American consumers are spending a record amount of their income on food. Despite inflation easing, Americans are spending 11.4% of their disposable income on food, the most since 1991. January saw a 1.2% increase in grocery expenses and a 5.1% increase in restaurant prices compared to last year. Prices aren't expected to fall anytime soon as companies make up for high, higher labor labor costs and food costs. Some companies are now required to pay their employees more after 22 states increased the minimum wage for hourly workers in January. Experts, however, believe Americans will soon become accustomed to higher food costs. Brian, I've heard this theory that uh, the grain markets are down because it's an election year and um, that it's the administration's doing and guess what? There appears to be zero correlation between commodity prices and food prices at the grocery store. Guess what? 99% of the American public has no idea what a bushel of corn is worth or what a bushel of soybeans is worth. But they do know that their bill at the grocery store is the highest that it's ever been. There was a quote from a uh, food company executive in this article. He said this, if you look historically after periods of inflation, there's really no period you could point to where food prices go back down. They tend to be sticky. And I, I think that's true. I don't think they're ever going to go back down. Yeah. I mean, this whole inflation thing is it's it, you just reach new plateaus. And so unless you reach a period of deflation, you're just reaching new high levels of, of, of prices for goods. Now, you know, I, I partly wonder if some of that is spending habits. Right. So you, you look at the change in the uh, uh, what you spend at the grocery store. 
um, what you're spending to eat out is a much higher percentage change. Yep. And so, you know, are there spending habits that were created when everybody, when we got back from COVID, right? People wanted to go out and now they're eating out more than they would have four or five years ago. Is that part of it? But man, I mean, Lauren and I, uh, my wife, we uh, were out uh, doing some shopping on Saturday night and we were like, you know what, we're just going to stop at Ruth's Chris, go sit at the bar, have that stuffed chicken. If you have never had it, it's great. But like it was an hour, 15 minute wait to go sit at the bar and yeah. I'm like, we're out of here. Uh, so places are jam packed right now. And it's like that all over. I think the consumer's in good shape, but I also don't think I don't think these prices are going back down. And I think that that the the theory, which I've heard a million times, I've had a million questions about. It's an election year; they're going to drive grain prices down. I just I don't know why that would matter. I don't I I don't know why at all. And to your point, most of the the ninety nine percent, you know, they think that the the corn that's on the board of trade is the corn that you eat and it's, it's obviously not right that's they think it's sweet corn 99 percent of people think that what we're trading on the board is is what they put in their mouth uh, that's an accurate statement <laughs> uh usda reported a flash sale of sorghum yesterday u.s exporters sold 126,000 metric tons of sor- sorghum to china for delivery during the current marketing year let's just replace sorghum with corn today at eight o'clock and things could be a lot brighter and let's replace uh, that. Let's move the comma over and have an extra zero. And, and yeah, could this be a sign of things to come? Could this meet? Could 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 this be a um, a precursor to a Chinese corn purchase? I'm told we're competitive. Right, we're competitive. Um, you know, and, and that's a different story than what we're looking at in soybeans right now. Um, it could be a precursor. I mean, when you see China show up and and out of the blue, I, I very rarely does China just show up for a one and done, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Hope, hopefully that's a sign of things to come. I, I don't know if I can guarantee that, but hopefully. In an attempt to appease farmers and advance climate friendly policy, the Biden administration has approved year round E15 sales. The expansion, however, won't go into effect until next year. Uh, the reason for that is the administration is trying to avoid gasoline price spikes this summer that could cost votes in the upcoming election. The oil industry has warned that a quick transition to E15 could cause supply disruptions and price spikes. The approval is viewed as a win for politically important states in the Corn Belt, such as Iowa and Wisconsin, who will no longer have to curb summertime sales of E15. So uh, Biden or the administration is trying to kind of thread the needle here. They're trying to uh, uh, eliminate the idea that maybe you could see price spikes between now and the election, but also at the same time make your corn states or ethanol lobby happy. The reason that this could cause price spikes, and this is according to the article, for fuel refiners and pipeline operators, the change will necessitate construction of storage tanks and other infrastructure. Oil industry leaders had warned the Biden administration the cost of those investments could be passed on to consumers at the gas pump and that a too fast transition uh, would risk an even bigger disruption and price spikes. And of course, the oil industry is going to say that. And it, it may be true to some extent. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's very clearly political, like a lot of what what's going on. Right. Obviously, big oil would rather sell more um, of their own product than have to blend this into it. But it's good for this will be good for uh, corn demand, uh, probably not this year, but more so next year, maybe move the needle a little bit. 
The AI craze caused the stock market to spike on Thursday. The NASDAQ gained 3%, the S&P 500 increased 2.1%, and the, now jo the Dow Jones uh, climbed 1.2%. The Dow Jones and the S&P 500 both ended the day at all-time highs. Stocks also rallied in Europe and Japan. The gains were attributed to NVIDIA's uh, phenomenal quarterly results, which also exceeded high expectations. The company reported a 265% increase in revenue, which caused NVIDIA's shares to climb 16% to an all-time high. The strong quarterly results boosted investor confidence and highlighted the company's dominance in the tech sector. Does the NVIDIA chart look bubbly to you, Brian? You know, um, I was reading something yesterday and it was uh, an investor and what he was telling people back in the early 2000s after the dot-com bubble. And he said, look, you guys were buying stuff at 10 times valuations and this, this and that. And then I read that NVIDIA is trading at 40 times valuations. Yes. And so he was like, what were you guys thinking? And, and so now, I don't know. I mean, here we are 20 some odd years later, but it's kind of like, what are you guys thinking? I don't know, looking at that chart, that I'd want to be short necessarily because these things can go a hell of a lot further than you right. think. Uh, the S&P has been incredibly, not incredibly strong, but it's been strong. I mean, we're already up almost 7% year to date and February's not even over. Um, what does this chart look like to you? So uh, I have this chart on my own. Um, and if you draw kind of, or, or you take the measurement from that COVID low up to the previous record high, and then you you extend that measurement from the breakout point. So for example, if you had a, a and I'm like pointing at this chart, like you guys can see it, but for myself, uh, if you had a trend line that comes down from the 2021 high down across those, those 2023 highs, yeah. when we took that trend line out, that's where you extend that measurement from. And it actually measures up to about 7,000. Now that's a multi-year target. That's not something we would expect to hit, uh, you know, later this year. Uh, and you could see that that took, what three years for that major breakout to occur so um you know could we be at 7000 s p by 2026 2027 2028 absolutely do you think the strength in the equity markets has anything to do with the weakness in the um commodity markets like all the money all the money that wants to be long stuff is owning equities and like commodities are like the flip side of that trade does that make any sense um <sighs> I know there's there's talk like uh, you know money's in in one versus the other, and I don't know if it's that simple. I do. There are several commodities that you think about, like cocoa, for example. That chart looks like an Nvidia chart. Yeah. Um, so I think we get so uh, ingrained in thinking about corn and soybeans and wheat versus yeah. equities, but there Not are other commodity. commodities that yeah. are performing very well. Look at cattle, yep. right? Look at cocoa, look at cotton. Um, there's things that the funds are buying. They're just not buying the commodities that we want them to buy. What did cattle do yesterday? Uh, they were mostly lower ahead of today's cattle on feed report. Live cattle were 47 cents lower to a buck 15 lower. Feeder cattle were down a buck 77 to 77 cents higher. As I mentioned, we have a cattle on feed report today. Um, on feed as of February 1st is estimated at 100.1% of year ago levels. Placements during January are estimated at 88.4% compared to last year. And marketings in January are estimated at 99.8% of year ago levels so are the most bullish cattle on feed reports yet to come i would say so brian 
What's the, what are the charts look like to you? It's a bull market. I mean, it is a bull market. Uh, we had a little reversal yesterday on the April live cattle. We made a new high for the move and then took out the previous day's lows. Maybe that re suggests we see a little bit of a short term pullback. But um, I think there's some lows that we made around the 182 area and some change on April. That's about where our uptrend comes in from the lows. So as long as we're kind of holding the uptrend, holding the previous little pivot low that we made before making a new high, the, the trend is still intact. Um, so if I'm a producer and I have, you know, concerns about re uh, this market rolling back over again, having downside coverage, I'm looking at that 182 area, maybe for some put coverage. Outside markets on Friday, pretty quiet. <clears throat> U.S. dollars about flat. Stocks are about flat. Bonds about flat. Crude oil's off $1.24 in the April WTI at 77.37. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll talk to you on Monday.